on today's episode, despite the Chicago Blackhawks putting together a pretty solid effort for the most part, they end up getting blanked for the seventh time this season, falling 4 to nothing to the Florida Panthers last night. Then I'll also get into a preview of tonight's matchup down in Tampa Bay against another Stanley Cup contender in the Lightning. And to wrap things up, I'll go over Jonathan Taves, the captain, reaching 1,000 games in his historic NHL career. All that and plenty more right here on Locked On Blackhawks. Your Locked On Blackhawks, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, your daily podcast on the Chicago Blackhawks. Today is Friday, April 1st. Be aware of all those April Fool's jokes out on the internet here today. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And if you're listening to the audio version of today's episode and you like what you're hearing, please go and show some support first by following the podcast. It'll only take a quick couple of seconds. A quick click of the button will help me out tremendously. Go and leave the show five stars if you like what you're hearing today as well. And you can also leave me a review. Best of all, it's 100% for free wherever you may be listening to your podcast, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Odyssey, Spotify. Google Podcasts, etc. It's all 100% for free. And if you go and follow the show right now, then you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And if you're not already watching the video version of today's episode, then you got to be sure to go and check out Lockdown Blackhawks on YouTube. If you haven't gotten the memo already, folks, each and every episode going forward of Lockdown Blackhawks is going to be uploaded to YouTube as well. So please go and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. I would greatly appreciate it. Go smash the like button for me as well. It would help me out greatly. And be sure to turn on those push notifications too so you can be notified when the episode is uploaded to YouTube each and every day. All right, what's up everyone? As always, thank you for tuning into another episode of Lockdown Blackhawks, your one-stop shop for all things Chicago Blackhawks. First things first on the show today, folks, the Blackhawks fall 4-0 to the Florida Panthers last night, getting blanked for the seventh time this season. But all in all, this was a really respectable effort, I thought, and I think most people would agree, out of the Chicago Blackhawks, going up against a Stanley Cup contender like the Florida Panthers, who even loaded up more at the trade deadline by getting Claude Giroux from the Philadelphia Flyers. They also added Ben Sherratt from the Montreal Canadiens, one of the few bright spots for Montreal in such a down year. Um, 4 nothing was probably a final score that most people would expect out of this game, but really the final score doesn't do it justice for how well the Blackhawks actually played. I mean, like I said, going up against the Stanley Cup contender, this was basically an ideal effort out of them, right? Like, go and look at some of the numbers some of the opportunities that the Blackhawks had. I mean, they they had their chances to put the puck in the back of the net. The top line was really buzzing. Uh, Alex Dabrinkit had many chances to score. Um, His five-game point streak wound up getting snapped, as did all the other point streaks for the Blackhawks as well. Patrick Kane, Dylan Strom, Seth Jones. All the point streaks came to an end last night with the Blackhawks obviously getting shut out. Uh, But Kane had seven shots on goal to lead the team. Dylan Strom had some chances in front of the net. 
Uh, Jonathan Taves had his chances down low as well. I'm going to get into more on Taves reaching a thousand games in his historic NHL career in just a little bit. Uh, but the Blackhawks, I mean, the final score does not do it justice. They really had a strong effort last night. They didn't lose this game due to a lack of effort. That was not the reason. Simply, the Florida Panthers are just a better team. And when the Blackhawks did make their mistakes, there weren't very many, but they had a couple. Uh, the opening goal of the game by Alexander Barkov, um, Henrik Borgstrom, former Florida Panther, Henrik Borgstrom, I should say, absolutely did a whole lot of nothing, gave no pressure to Barkov backdoor. Uh, Calvin DeHaan also kind of got stuck in a spin cycle in front of the net. He really wasn't much of a help. Um, but the opening 20 minutes, I mean, the Blackhawks could have came out ahead here. They, they, they had their chances, their first power play attempt of the game. They had three shots on goal and created some good looks. The other two power plays the rest of the way really uh, didn't do a whole lot of anything. But offensively, I mean, they were creating. They had their opportunities. Sergei Bobrovsky was just phenomenal in net last night for the Florida Panthers. And it was kind of funny because in the crossover episode that I dropped yesterday morning, late last night, technically, um, or late Wednesday night, technically, I should say, uh, I talked with Armando Velez, the host of Lockdown Panthers, about Sergei Bobrovsky because when you go and look at this Florida Panthers roster, they are absolutely loaded now from top to bottom in terms of forwards and defensemen. I think they have all the pieces that they'd want in order to try and go and win a Stanley Cup. The question mark for quite some time now with this team has been in goal. And last year, Sergei Bobrovsky really struggled. Spencer Knight stepped onto the scene and uh, as a rookie played phenomenally, actually. He even got some playoff games under his belt uh, at such a young age due to Bobrovsky's struggles. So I really, you know, and especially in the Stanley Cup playoffs, if you don't get goaltending, you're not going to stand a chance. That's just the way it goes. So I asked Armando Velez about how he feels about Sergei Bobrovsky heading into this postseason push. When you go and look at the numbers, I mean, the, the record's amazing, but the offense is the best in the NHL, averaging over four goals per game. So it's kind of hard to judge a goaltender off wins and losses anyways, especially in this particular scenario. But I asked Armando about this, and he said he feels confident as ever in Bobrovsky, and I understand why, because he was standing on his head last night making some unbelievable saves. Um, he did his best to make sure that the final score didn't reflect how well the Chicago Blackhawks actually played. Uh, so it was one nothing Panthers after the opening 20 minutes. The second period is kind of where things <clears throat> unwinded a little bit for Chicago. Ryan Lomberg absolutely blew past Calvin DeHaan in transition to double the lead. And then former Blackhawk Gustav Forsling, who was active all night long, clearly was playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder. Really wish Stan Bowman didn't trade him because he's turned into quite the defenseman down in Florida. He's playing top line minutes right now with Aaron Ekblad out of the lineup. So that would be certainly a nice addition to the back end for the Blackhawks right now, especially when we're seeing struggles out of guys like Calvin DeHaan, as I already mentioned. Uh, Jake McCabe's having a tough year. Connor Murphy, when he was healthy, really didn't look like the same defenseman that he has for the past few seasons here in Chicago. Uh, so, yeah, definitely would have been nice to have a guy like Gustav Forsling still around. And same with Anthony Duclair, even though uh, he didn't wind up on the score sheet last night, I don't believe. Did Duke have an assist? No, he did not. Um, but, yeah, that uh, the Lombard goal made it 2 to nothing. Panthers. Gustav Forsling added it to make it 3 nothing. Uh, the fourth goal by Florida came on a five on three late in the game. It was basically all she wrote at that point anyways. So um, 
the final score again, it's not it's not going to accurately depict how well the Blackhawks played. And when I broke down the five on five analytics last night, the Blackhawks were right there. They actually led the Panthers in overall shot attempts. Uh, they were tied up in scoring chances. Panthers did have a little bit of an edge in shots on goal, but it was only by like three or four. So that's just the way hockey goes sometimes. Uh, an elite goaltender performing at his best can make sure uh, that the things don't look as close as they really were. That's just the way that hockey goes. So hard to be mad about this loss overall for the Chicago Blackhawks because uh, it, it could have been four to nothing and they certainly could have put together a much worse effort. Disappointing that they weren't able to pick up a victory for Jonathan Taves' 1,000th NHL game. But hopefully they'll be able to do so when he gets his actual celebration at the United Center on Sunday. So all in all, hopefully the Blackhawks <clears throat> will be able to carry some of this momentum into tonight's matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning because they're another elite Stanley Cup contender where if the Blackhawks play like they did in the final 40 minutes against Buffalo or the final 20 minutes against Vegas, they're going to get blown out of the water. So um, obviously you would have liked to win the game. Hard to do that against a really good team like the Florida Panthers on the road, but hopefully that can at least generate some momentum for the Blackhawks as they head into their uh, back half of the back-to-back down in Florida against two of the top teams in the entire NHL. All right, there are some quick thoughts on the Blackhawks. 4-0 loss to the Florida Panthers last night, getting blanked for the seventh time this season. Coming up ju- in just a moment, I am going to get into a full preview of that matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. But first, I need to talk to you all about Built Bar, which is a protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And now we're in April. I know it's really hard to still be on your resolution four months into the year, but Built Bar is a way for you to stick to it because it's the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. If your New Year's resolution was about getting fit or even eating healthier, then you got to make sure to include Built Bar in your plan because it's the best of both worlds. Like I said, delicious and healthy, and they got so many flavors, you're going to have a hard time choosing. Are you going to go with raspberry or mint brownie, coconut almond or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter brownie? Either way you choose, Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good. You're actually going to want to eat them, unlike some other protein bars, which can be chalky, dry, waxy, or even just taste like a chemical spill. And even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is also good for you that way. When you enjoy a delicious Built Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And for a limited time offer, go to BuiltBar.com right now and use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's BuiltBar.com with the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next Built Bar order. All right, we're back here on the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, getting into segment two now today. I also wanted to be sure to quickly go over the Blackhawks' projected lineup and starting goaltender for their contest tonight against the Tampa Bay Lightning. So at this point, it's right around 11. I don't think the Blackhawks, excuse me, I don't think the Blackhawks are going to be having a morning skate due to the travel and the back-to-back. It only makes sense. They didn't have a morning skate yesterday also, which, by the way, I was planning to drop a double episode yesterday because I released my um, crossover with Armando Velez late on Wednesday night. 
I was going to have an episode come out, hopefully, you know, around 11 or noon yesterday to preview the matchup with the Panthers, go over the Blackhawks lineup, whoever their starting goaltender was going to be, which turned out to be Kyle and Delia. I'm going to have more on Delia here in just a minute. But Derek King just kind of ghosted us on the lineup until like three or four o'clock in the afternoon. So that's why I wasn't able to get out a double episode yesterday. I kind of grinded my gears, but so be it. I understand uh, keeping the boys off the ice after, you know, a long travel. They did practice in Florida the day prior. So I get it. I get it. But getting into tonight's matchup against the Tampa Bay Lightning, as I already mentioned, another Stanley Cup contender. They've won back-to-back years now looking for the three-peat. And they're in a particular or a peculiar spot right now in the Eastern Conference because uh, they're eight points back of Florida for the top in the division, first, behind Florida by eight points for first place in the division. Um, but there's a lot of competition right now for those final playoff spots and that they're only one point up on the last wild card spot too so there is potential that it could be another battle of florida in the first round between the panthers and the lightning i think the lightning are going to be they have a lot more to play for i should say than the blackhawks do tonight uh so they're probably going to be bringing a lot of intensity in their home building which much different from florida's no offense to panthers fans but they don't really generate as much uh, of a crowd as Tampa Bay does. So I expect Amelie to be rocking here tonight. Um, and, and yeah, it's not going to be a very easy contest again for the Chicago Blackhawks. They've struggled mightily against the Tampa Bay Lightning throughout uh, the last couple of years. I believe in seven meetings last year, they only beat them once. And that came in a shootout thanks to former Blackhawk now, Malcolm Subban, absolutely standing on his head. Uh, I believe that was a celebration for Brent Seabrook's retirement, if I remember correctly. I know it wasn't his 1,000th game because I was there for his 1,000th game celebration. That came <clears throat> a few years back. It was also Callan Delia's NHL debut and the Scott Foster game, so kind of a triple whammy there that I was lucky enough to be in attendance for. Anyways, getting into the Blackhawks' projected lineup tonight. Um, Again, the morning skate hasn't happened. Derek King hasn't talked to the media, but I got a pretty good feeling we know what the lineup is going to be. Uh, first, when King spoke with the media yesterday, he did say that Tyler Johnson, who was scratched yesterday against the Panthers, kind of interesting. I wonder if that was due to um, him just returning from concussion protocol. Maybe they wanted to take it easy on him in these back-to-back games. But King did say that Tyler Johnson is going to be back in the lineup tonight. He was healthy scratched yesterday with um, Philip Kurashev and Alex Vlasic. Uh, but, I, but Johnson is going to be playing against his former Lightning teammates here tonight. Um, and if I had to guess, I think he's probably going to be jumping up on that third line with uh, Kirby Doc and Sam Lafferty. That's where Borgstrom was yesterday, but he really did not have a very good game against his former Panthers team. He had that blunder in the defensive zone that led to Barkov's first goal. And really, all year long, Henrik Borgstrom just has not done a whole lot of anything. I mean, it's been a really disappointing year for him. I expected a lot more. He actually had a pretty good training camp in preseason, so I was hopeful that he'd be a solid like middle to bottom six type player that has some size and can also chip in offensively. But I think he's got points in like five games this season. It's been a nightmare for Henrik Borgstrom. So I expect him to be the one to draw back out uh, for Tyler Johnson here tonight. I think that might be the only change up front. 
You got to have Boris Kachuka in the lineup against his former Tampa Bay Lightning team. Same with Taylor Radish, but he's not coming out anyway. He's been phenomenal. Could have had another primary assist last night. Had Dominic Kubelik been able to put the puck into an open net. One of the golden chances for the Blackhawks last night. But Kubi, as it's gone all year long for him, either misses an open net or absolutely whiffs on a prime scoring opportunity. That's just the type of year it's been for him, unfortunately. Um, but on defense for the Blackhawks, you know where this is going, Blackhawks fans. Play Alex Classic. I don't care if it has to be for Eric Gustafson or Riley Stillman at this point. Gustafson has been horrible the last two or three games. He had a couple of huge breakdowns in that uh, dreadful loss to Buffalo on Monday. Two turnovers that led to goals for the Sabres. I actually was shocked when I saw he was in the lineup again last night. And then Riley Stillman, also a former former Florida Panther, maybe was the worst Blackhawk of them all last night. Um, the analytics for him were absolutely terrible in the first period. He wasn't on the ice for a shot attempt for, a shot on goal, a scoring chance, a high danger chance. Like He literally just played defense, wasn't providing any help in transition, getting the puck from defense to offense. So I don't know if I can expect Derek King to make this change tonight based on what he said to the media about Alex Vlasic really saying he's not NHL ready. And he also added that he'd kind of like Davidson to move him down to Rockford if possible. Now, Rockford's in the middle of a playoff run right now, and they already kind of have uh, a log jam, if you will, back there on the defensive end. So I don't know if Davidson's wanting to throw Vlasic in that mix when he's not guaranteed ice time there. But I just don't understand not playing the kid. And I've seen multiple takes on this, you know, oh, well, he gets to learn from the NHL guys. There's no room for him in Rockford. You might as well have him up and practicing. Sure, I get that. But when people say he's not NHL ready and you don't want to hurt his confidence, that I don't really understand when you're only going to be playing him five or six games or if it even gets to that point when he's right out of college. Like, I don't think you're going to break Alex Vlasic's confidence in five or six games coming right out of BU and jumping to the NHL level. Like clearly most players are not going to have success going from college to the NHL immediately. That's just not something you see very often. So for people that are concerned about Alex Vlasic's confidence, like I believe in tough love. That's the way I look at it. Like he's going to have to learn eventually how to play at the NHL level. And we could be having the same conversation again next year being like oh they don't want to ruin his confidence that they're not going to play him regularly like this could be a conversation we have for a couple years with him being so young so like I don't really understand not trying to progress him and give him these opportunities when the season's lost like okay fine he's not NHL ready and he's kind of in a tough situation throw him out there for six or seven minutes I don't even care at that point give him some game action to understand the pace of the game the physicality, the way he has to have success at the NHL level. I personally think sometimes you got to go through those hardships to understand what it takes to be the best. Like I've always been a believer of that. Sometimes you got to learn the hard way. And that's my frustration about this situation with Alex Lassick. Like you might as well be giving him game opportunities. That's my opinion on it. I know everyone has different thoughts on it, but especially with the way we've seen Eric Gustafson play and 
Riley Stillman here as of late as well. Like, give the kid an opportunity. And who knows? Maybe he could surprise you. Everyone says he's not NHL ready. But at the same time, we really haven't seen all that much of him. He's gotten barely any action at the NHL. Maybe, you know, King can tell in practice that he's just a step behind or whatnot. But it's just frustrating to me seeing Alex Vlasic get scratched in five consecutive games when we have other defensemen who are struggling right now. And Eric Gustafson certainly doesn't have a future here in Chicago. So that's my only gripe about it. I just think we should be giving Vlasic more opportunities at this point. Who cares if he struggles? Like, we're not really expecting him to be a stud right away, but at least he'd get some opportunities and get a little bit of knowledge of what it takes to have success at that level. That's the way I feel about it. But with that being said, I still don't think Derek King's going to be putting him in the lineup tonight, despite both uh, Eric Gustafson and Riley Stillman having another struggle of a performance against the Florida Panthers. But in net for the Chicago Blackhawks tonight, Kyle and Delia went yesterday. So that's going to set up Kevin Lankinen to get the start tonight against the Lightning. And man, I, I don't really know what to make of Kevin Lankinen at this point. He had two really strong showings in a row against Minnesota um, and against, I believe it was Anaheim. Yes, it was Anaheim, where both of which he only allowed two goals. But then against Vegas, he was unable to come up with that big time stop when the Hawks were on their heels. Ends up giving five, giving up five in that one. And then Monday against Buffalo, not all of the goals were his fault, and really only one or two probably were in actuality. But for him to kick the puck into his own net with 10 seconds left for the game winner, I mean, just something you absolutely can't do. And more importantly, I think Lankinen has just been losing his net far too often. Like he gets way too aggressive, way too out of position, too frequently, um, especially for a goaltender who. Well, yeah, it is only his second NHL season. He's 27 years old, so it's kind of that time for him. It's like make or break time in his career, I feel like. Um, And these final, what is there, 14 games left in the season, I believe, will probably start, if I had to guess, nine or ten of them at least. That's really going to be telling as to what his future is going to be, not only here with the Chicago Blackhawks, but I think uh, in the rest of his time up at the NHL because. in particular for the Blackhawks, Lankinen's a UFA. So by the way, he is going to be able to have his say in the matter this offseason. But one thing that's definitely enticing about Chicago is if they want to bring him back, he's going to be the starting goaltender here next year. That's the way it's probably looking at this point. We got Arvid Soderblom, who's probably fit to come up and be the backup. You'll have Kale Morris down in the AHL, Jackson Stauber, who we just signed out of Providence College. Um, so if Lankinen were to come back, it would probably be because he's going to be guaranteed a starting opportunity. With another team, I don't know if he's going to be able to get those same looks. And also, these last games are, it's not set in stone that Lankinen, if he were to come back, is going to be the starter because it's been an up and down season and he really hasn't shown us all that much since the first half of that COVID-shortened season. Like, he, he really has not been all that good this year. Let's call a spade a spade. So these are some important games down the stretch for him. And if he wants to earn that starting job for the Blackhawks next year, uh, I think he's going to have to prove it in these final nine or ten games that I think he's going to get down the stretch. One thing I also wanted to talk about, though, is Colin Delia last night, folks, put together a really strong performance against the top offense in the entire NHL. He stopped <clears throat> forty of the 44 shots that he faced now back-to-back 40 save efforts for Delia in his first two starts since getting recalled back up from Rockford. 
he's been really great. And last night, I don't think you can blame a single goal on Colin Delia. And he robbed like, like this could have been eight to nothing, which wouldn't have depicted the way the Blackhawks played either. But Delia made a bunch of really good glove saves. Um, <clears throat> absolutely robbed former Blackhawk Anthony Duclair with a left glove snag going post to post. So I, I've been pleasantly surprised with what I've seen from Colin Delia. And I saw a couple of other Blackhawks guys, uh, Mario Tarabasi of CHGO, uh, CHGO Sports, um, mentioned, you know, what are the odds that Delia performs really well down the stretch and inks another contract with the Blackhawks? I think him performing well down the stretch is very likely, but signing with the Chicago Blackhawks is not. Listen, Colin Delia is going to be an unrestricted free agent. He's kind of gone through hell with the Chicago Blackhawks the last few years. He thought he was going to get a much, much larger opportunity to be the guy here in Chicago. The Blackhawks really shafted him, him of that, preferring to give starts to Kevin Lankinen and Malcolm Subban last year. He just really hasn't been getting very many opportunities, and the Blackhawks really haven't done all that much to try to move him. Uh, they did put him through waivers, but no one claimed him. So at the same time, doesn't seem like there were a lot of interested suitors at that time. But now, based on what we've seen out of Calendelia, I know it's only two starts, but he sure looks like he's capable of being an NHL goaltender. And I think that could entice other teams across the league because he's undoubtedly going to be a cheap sign in the offseason. But I just don't think he wants to come back to Chicago with all he's been through. Uh, unless he has a conversation with the front office. And basically the only way I think he'd be able to come back or be willing to come back is if he was told he'd be the starter next year and they're not going to bring back Kevin Lankinen. I think that's the only way that Delia would be brought back. Even then, would Delia really trust this organization again to do him right going forward in his NHL career? I kind of highly doubt it. So um, despite Colin Delia, I mean, he can continue to play well down the stretch, but I still think it's quite unlikely that he's going to re-sign here with the Chicago Blackhawks in the offseason. All right, there are some thoughts and a full preview on tonight's matchup with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Coming up in just a moment, I also wanted to be sure to get into my thoughts on Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves reaching the 1,000th game milestone last night in Sunrise. All right, welcome back to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. Moving on into segment three now, before I wrap things up today, of course, I have to talk for at least a few moments about Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves playing in his 1,000th NHL game last night against the Florida Panthers. And I thought it was really cool to see, even though the Blackhawks were on the road last night, uh, Jonathan Taves got a standing ovation at the BB&T Center. Apparently, even the Panthers fans were giving him a round of applause. Um, there were a bunch of cool video tributes from Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Marion Hosa, Dave Boland was great to see, uh, Denny Savard, they had Taves' parents, Corey Crawford was spotted for the first time and seemingly forever uh, congratulating Johnny. Patrick Sharp was there as well. I mean. A lot of cool video segments um, that Taser got to congratulate him for reaching yet another massive milestone in his historic NHL career. I wish the Blackhawks were able to come out with a victory, but all in all, I thought they did give a pretty good effort for Taser's 1,000th NHL game. The final score won't really reflect that, though. Um, but for Taves, <clears throat> it's just been a – it felt like this 1,000th game 
came at a, a very odd time because it, it's just been a very weird last couple of weeks for Jonathan Taves, you know, making uh, a couple of separate comments about the direction of the team, uh, being discouraged about a guy like Brandon Hagel getting traded, who we're going to see tonight uh, um, when the Blackhawks take on the Lightning. By the way, I wanted to mention this in the other segment. I just completely forgot. Vinny Henestrosa scored on Monday when the Blackhawks played the Sabres. And last night, Gustav Forsling scored for the Panthers. Brandon Hagel's probably going to score a goal tonight, isn't he, Blackhawks fans? Uh, or don't forget Blackhawks legend Jan Ruda, who's now won two Stanley Cups in a row on the back end for the Tampa Bay Lightning. He and Michael Kempney feel oddly similar. Like they were good offensive defensemen for the Blackhawks when the team really wasn't all that good. Huge liabilities in their own zone, but then they go elsewhere and, and all of a sudden become capable defensemen. Certainly helps when they're on a Stanley Cup caliber team. But of course, um, Kempney goes and wins a ring with the Washington Capitals. As I said, Ruta now has two in a row with the Tampa Bay Lightning. It just always seems to work out that way for Blackhawks defensemen. Trevor Daly gets traded to Pittsburgh. He goes and wins two in a row with the Penn. So it's like, oh my gosh, this always happens with Blackhawks defensemen. If we ended up moving Calvin DeHaan at the deadline, whoever he got traded to, I probably would have thrown a huge wager on them winning the Stanley Cup based on what we've seen historically out of Blackhawks defensemen getting traded. Um, but anyways, back to Taves. Yeah, he, he made those comments, obviously, publicly about um, the direction the team's heading in. One of his close buddies in Brandon Hagel getting traded, you know, what Kyle Davidson is doing, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then there was also earlier in the season, the comments that Taves made about uh, Stan Bowman resigning or whatever you want to call it uh, back in October. So all in all, it's just been kind of a PR nightmare from Blackhawks captain Jonathan Taves uh, this season. And to hear him voice his frustrations to the media, uh, I think this was the most frustrating part for me. To voice his displeasure about the direction of the team and everything to the media instead of like keeping those inside the locker room and you know maybe having conversations with the front office and whatnot, that was the most disappointing part of all of it to me. I, you know, I get where he's coming from. I understand that it's undoubtedly been the most frustrating season for him in his NHL career, both on and off the ice. Um, I understand that. And I appreciate the honesty. Like Jonathan Taves has always been an open book. He's always honestly expressed his feelings to the media. I appreciate that. I just kind of wish in this instance, um, he would have kept those feelings, you know, maybe between the guys in the locker room or between he and Davidson or he and Derek King. Um, but anyways, the reason I brought this up is because regardless of how you feel about Jonathan Taves right now, based on, you know, those recent comments, what he said about Stan Bowman or whatever, I really hope that all Blackhawks fans can put that aside and just appreciate how much this guy has done for the Blackhawks in the city of Chicago since stepping onto the scene well over a decade ago now. I mean, the memories that will be forever embedded in my brain because of the efforts and the leadership and the skills of a guy like Jonathan Taves, I mean, that's something I'm going to cherish forever for the rest of my life. Like I have so many memories that made me fall in love with the game of hockey that made me fall in love with the Chicago Blackhawks team. And it's because of a guy like Jonathan Taves leading the way. I mean, I, there are things I'm going to tell my kids about one day. Like I grew up in 
essentially the golden age of the Chicago Blackhawks. And it all started with taking Jonathan Taves third overall and him being the captain, the third youngest captain in NHL history. Um, it's truly incredible everything that he's done and to reach another milestone, uh, even though it's been such a frustrating year with Taves, um, it's, it, it was really cool to see and cool to see that Florida fans, you know, respected him there as well. He got so many video tributes. It was a really cool moment. Um, and you know, there've just been so many <clears throat> moments uh, along the way that I like wanted to talk about it. It was kind of hard to even. I I tweeted out my top five Jonathan Taves moments yesterday on Twitter, and that took me forever to come up with just five. Like there have been so many that he's been a part of. By the way, go and drop in the comment section your favorite Jonathan Taves moment. I want to hear from all you fans. What is your favorite Jonathan Taves moment in his career as a member of the Chicago Blackhawks? Uh, but a couple that came to mind. Um, first and foremost, I think hoisting the cup in 2010. Do I have the picture? Yeah, I do. That one right there. Uh, oh, where's... I think that's downstairs. I have the actual picture of Taves hoisting the Stanley Cup. But I got that tribute right there in 2010. Um, him hoisting the cup for the first time in Philly, I think it is still like my favorite Jonathan Taves moment, the pure excitement of like that young kid being able to hoist the Stanley cup and bring it back to Chicago for the first time in 49 years. That's the top of my list by far. Uh, but there are plenty more that are going to stick with me forever. And some of them are kind of random, um, that goal. Uh, well, this one isn't random, but the goal he scored against the Colorado Avalanche during his rookie season, just absolutely dancing around everyone. It was like, okay, we might have something here, folks. Uh, there's This is kind of a random one. There's also a goal that he scored against the Detroit Red Wings. Had to be in 2008 or 2009 where he absolutely danced Dan Cleary in transition. He caught a forward back playing defense and absolutely walked him on his way to uh, another Highlight real goal going forehand back end past, I believe, Jimmy Howard at the time. Could have even been Chris Osgood. It was so long ago. Um, but a, a couple other playoff memories in particular that I have. My favorite is probably the game five overtime winner against the St. Louis Blues. Blackhawks, that was in 2014. Blackhawks were down 2 nothing in that series. They lose the first two on the road in St. Louis. And game one was an absolute heartbreaker. That was the. Uh, Wakey, wakey, backus moment for all you Blackhawks fans out there. Brent Seabrook gets a five-game or a, a five-minute misconduct for his hit on David Backus, and of course Duncan Keith gets my, uh, gets caught on the microphone saying "wakey, wakey, backus," which is terrible, but one of my favorite Blackhawks moments ever. Uh, but the Blues go on to score with like four seconds left in regulation. They end up winning it in overtime. They take Game Two as well. The Blackhawks had their backs against the wall. They win games three and four at home to even up the series. They go back on the road to St. Louis for a pivotal game five. And Jonathan Taves, who else but Captain Clutch, goes forehand, backhand for the game winner. Uh, And what I love about that, too, is the St. Louis Blues broadcast call of that goal. If you go back and listen to it, it's like, Jonathan Taves on a breakaway. He can end it. He does. Like the pure heartbreak in Jonathan Taves scoring that goal to put the Blackhawks ahead 3-2. One of my favorite moments ever. A um, couple other playoff memories I have. A hat trick in game four against the Vancouver Canucks in 2010 on the way to the Stanley Cup. That was the first or the second year, actually, that the Blackhawks had really good playoff battles with the Vancouver Canucks. I hated their fans. 
I hated Alex Burrows. I hated the Sedins. So for Taser to, to light them up the way he did to put the Blackhawks up three to one in that series, that, that was another one that'll stick with me. Gotta mention game seven against the Anaheim Ducks, where it's the Western Conference final, game seven, everything's on the line, and Taves comes out in the first period and pots two, putting the Blackhawks ahead two to nothing, really setting the tone for the rest of the way. Really never was close after that point. The Blackhawks really took it to the Ducks there in game seven. Um that was a good one, man. I remember watching that at one of my buddies' graduation parties. That's when I was a senior in high school. And <coughs> uh, there there was a keg there, even though uh, we, we were not 21. But, I mean, it was Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals last summer with all the boys before going off to college. There was a keg there. We're passing around the keg like it's the Stanley Cup because we knew once the Blackhawks got over that hump, they were just too good of a team not to win it all. Uh, so, so that was a really cool one. Um, and then one other moment I have, uh, this one probably isn't as special to very many others, but um, I remember it was the second game of the season. I think this was 2018-19, I believe. Yeah, I think it was either 2018-19. Yeah, it, eh, I can't fully remember. It was either 2018-19 or 2019-20, but second game of the season, I go, I went to school in Missouri. Blackhawks are facing the Blues. I go with a couple of Blues fans to this game. And Jonathan Taves ends up netting a hat trick. The third goal to earn that hat trick came with the overtime game winner on a breakaway. It was my first hat trick I ever saw in person. I mean, so many Jonathan Taves moments here, folks. Um, I, I know things, <clears throat> as I said earlier, haven't gone uh, the way anyone wanted them to this season. And I know Taves has made some comments that not a lot of people are in love with, including myself. But uh, let's not forget all that he did. And three and six certainly would not have been possible without his effort, leadership, and the intensity of Captain Sirius. So congratulations one last time to Jonathan Taves for reaching his 1,000th NHL game in a Chicago Blackhawks sweater. All right, folks, I think that is going to wrap up Friday, April 1st episode of Locked On Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show. And be sure to go and follow the Locked On Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, be sure to go and check out the Lockdown Fantasy Hockey Podcast as host Steel Roden and Flip Livingstone help you become the expert of your fantasy league. It's free and available on all platforms, so be sure to check out Lockdown Fantasy Hockey right now wherever you get your podcasts. Once again, thank you for tuning into today's episode. I'm your host, Jack Bushman. You can find me out on Twitter at JackBushman2, or you could also go and check out my Strictly Blackhawks account at Talk and Hockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. And don't forget that the next episode of Lockdown Blackhawks is going to be Mailbag Monday. So for any questions you have at all regarding anything related to the Blackhawks or to the show, email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com. You can also hit me on any one of my Twitter accounts. Or you can call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until the next episode, everyone, enjoy your weekends. Hopefully uh, the Hawks, I'm not going to expect them to win against the Lightning tonight, but hopefully they can at least put up another good fight down in Florida. And thanks again for listening to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day.